Good morning. Uh, today we're continuing with our series of messages uh, called Tell Me a Story. And uh, this week, we're actually going to look at three different parables um, under the heading of Am I a Treasure Hunter? And that is a question that I encourage each of you to ask. We'll be looking at Luke chapter 12 and Matthew chapter 13, which is a continuation of the chapter we've been looking at repeatedly throughout the course of this series. Uh, just a quick reminder under that heading of... Uh, am I a treasure hunter? Uh, throughout this series, I've reminded you that we're looking at really simple stories, stories that resonate and make perfect sense to the people that are hearing them. But each of these simple stories contains some sobering realities. I mean, they really get to the heart of the matter here. So, I know that typically when speakers like myself talk, we encourage you not to take Scripture out of context. Nod your head. Don't take Scripture out of context. Uh, today, for a brief moment, however, I'm going to encourage you to do just that. Uh, for those of you who know this first story that we're going to look at, don't let your mind get ahead of you, all right? Just take each verse as we read it, all right? Nod your heads. Take scripture out of context. All right. Um, so we're going to jump into Luke chapter 12. And he told them this parable, he being Jesus, and he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Now, out of context, just taking that verse, is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's a good thing to have an abundant harvest. All right. Verse 17. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Is it a good thing to have so many crops you don't know where to store them? I think that's a great thing. You know, what would we do if our garden produces such an abundance? We bring it and leave it in the lobby of the church for people to take it with them, right? It's a good thing that there's an abundance. We have to think, what can I do about this? Verse 18, then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. Now, friends, that's just good crop management, isn't it? All right? I have been blessed. I have an abundant harvest. And so it makes sense to increase my storage capacity. Remember, we're taking this out of context. Some of you know the end of the story, all right? But for now, we're saying, okay, that's all good. Verse 19. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Now, friends, is it a bad thing to enjoy the fruits of our labors? No. It makes sense. If God provides an abundance, it makes reasonable sense for us to enjoy that abundance. So, for those of you who are familiar with the story... What do we normally call this parable? Anybody? The parable of the rich fool. Give that boy a golden star. Here. All right. What's that? Right. Hey, at least you opened your Bible. I mean, you're, you're, you know what we say? If you ain't cheating, you ain't winning. All right. So, all right. So the parable of the rich fool. So here's the question. If what we looked at, taken out of context... Sounds like good management principles, good business sense. Why in the world do we call this the parable of the rich fool? So let's go back and let's look at it in context. 
<clears throat> going all the way back to verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So it starts on a premise of, make sure I get mine. All right? I mean, do you think that person would say, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me if they had more than their brother? No, they're saying that because they think maybe they're not getting what they deserve. So they're saying, tell him to do what's right and give me what's mine. It's about what I deserve. All right? Verse 14, Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? In other words, get over yourself. All right? It's not necessarily about you. And I'm about something far more important than whether you get your share of mom and dad's stuff. All right? Verse 15, then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Oh, okay, now it's starting to come and we understand a little bit more about this. He said, you know, and again, he's calling this guy out. He's saying, you know what, I think you're being greedy, all right? It's not about an abundance of possessions. So, lest it seem too harsh... Um, Jesus backs off a little bit and tells them the story that we just read. Uh, and he told them this parable. The crowd of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Again, not a bad thing in and of itself. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Not a bad thing in and of itself. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. Then I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then you will get what you have, then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. It's about priorities. Now, some of you, many of you who are of a generous nature, would immediately see some of the folly of what this rich person did. If God provides an abundance, there's no reason we shouldn't enjoy it, but there's also no reason not to share it. So there's ample opportunity for them to say, you know what, if I've got more than, I mean, my barns have been sufficient for my whole life, and now one good harvest and they're no longer sufficient. If they were sufficient last year, then that means I can store enough grain to meet all of my needs. If God provides an abundance, maybe this is the year for me to bless others with that abundance. Now, Jesus didn't say this, but he does speak to the issue of greed and saying, it's not just about you. And then he goes on and he, and he suggests the importance of not just bigger barns, but being rich toward God. That's more important than bigger barns. And, and again... You know, we call this the parable of the rich fool. And some of you know I'm fiercely loyal and incredibly appreciative to live in the land in which we live. But you might also call this the parable of the American dream. That's our dream is to get enough that we can retire by 25 and live lavishly the rest of our lives. Some of us have failed miserably. All right. But but always having more. Friends, I'm, I'm not picking on any of you, but I'm probably stepping on toes, all right? But how many times do we see people build a pole barn 
because they got too much stuff for their garage and too much stuff for their basement. And then the next thing you know, we're building a bigger pole barn. I mean, when we bought our property, we before we'd even build our house, we're thinking, where, where could we put a pole barn when we get to that point? Hasn't happened yet, but that that's the mindset. You know, how many of us have multiple car garages and our cars sit outside because our garage is full of stuff? I mean, I'm just saying, all right? It's all important stuff. I get it. I love my stuff. But let's understand that someday my stuff won't be my stuff anymore. And nobody else is going to care as much about my stuff as I do. I, I mean, my dad's 92. And, and he's understanding that he's probably got more life behind him than he does ahead of him. And frequently on our visits, he will talk about stuff he has that is important for me to have when he's gone. Most of it I don't want. Some of it I do, but but he's lived his whole life pursuing the accumulation and the saving of that stuff, just like the rest of us pursuing the American dream. And please understand, I'm not saying we shouldn't strive to be successful. But we should understand where true success lies. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards heaven. Friends, if it's either or, we always got to err in the pursuit of being rich toward God. If it's both and, woohoo, look at all the good we can do. But don't ever sacrifice being rich for yourself and building bigger barns at the expense of being rich toward God. Which brings me to the next two parables. Talking about buried treasure and fancy pearls. Very, very, very simple parables. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Can I just say, some of you have been here throughout the series, these parables are so simple that the disciples don't even ask for an explanation. They got it the first time. You know how when he gives some of these teaching, they come away saying, you know, yeah, yeah, we get that. And then as soon as the crowd's gone, hey, Jesus, tell us what that really means. This one's so simple, they get it. They get it on the first pass. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, then went and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Now, We'll just go ahead and do the next one. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything that he had and bought it. So just think with me for a moment about the buried treasure. To me, and just some of you have already picked this up. Remember, there's another parable that talks about the parable of the talents. And one of the person took the talent and he buried it in the dirt. He got scolded. Well, his decision to bury it's totally separate from this. But it reminds us that in their day, burying your valuables was not an uncommon practice. Okay? So when we read about somebody buried a treasure because they wanted to keep it safe. So it wasn't uncommon in those days. But what I would emphasize quickly is... The response when they found the treasure. 
They were overjoyed. They were elated that they had discovered this buried treasure, and they responded immediately by giving up everything else so that that treasure could become theirs. It's interesting to me that as we read those two or that one verse, it sounds to me like the discovery was made in the routines of everyday life. They're just going along, doing their thing. Who knows why they were digging a hole? But all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, this is something special. But it's not my field, so it's not really mine. What can I do about this? I'm going to run out, sell everything I have, and buy this field, and then the treasure's mine. Cool. Good ending. Friends, there are some things that are worth whatever sacrifice it takes. The pearl of great value. Pearls then as now, highly prized, aesthetically pleasing, had value. It's interesting as we look at that the verses that I read. There are many fine pearls. This one is defined as a pearl of great value. In this case, it's different from the first parable in that they were actually looking for pearls. They were looking for pearls, and they sifted through fine pearls, and they landed on a pearl of great value. Can I just say, the pearl of great value is worth searching for. And then as that one emphasized, the pearl of great value is equally worth sacrificing for. I didn't warn you that there was going to be a test. But there's going to be a test. I read the pearl of great value. I read the parable of the buried treasure. In each of those, it told you what they represented. That's why the disciples didn't have to ask. What did it say at the beginning of each of those? What is like a pearl of great value and what is like finding buried treasure? The kingdom of God is like a man who went out and found buried treasure. The kingdom of God is like a merchant who, while doing his business, discovered the pearl of great value. So my question to you is very simple. It comes right out of those stories, or the first story. Have you discovered the treasures of God? Have you discovered the treasures of God? Does your life reflect the joy of that discovery? If you have truly discovered the kingdom of God, and if it is truly all that we say that it is, the fact that you have made that discovery should generate some type of life change and response. And a part of that is, I've found something special. Have I discovered the treasures of God? What price have you been And are you willing to pay to make that field yours? Remember, friends, 
he wasn't paying the price to create the treasure, but rather to make the treasure his own. The same is true for us. If the treasure is the kingdom of God, the price is already paid. The treasure is already created. The kingdom of God is already there for us to discover. The price we must be willing to pay is to make it our own. To say, yes, there's the treasure in this field. I want the whole field because I want to make the treasure mine. Have I discovered the treasures of God? Do I live a life that reflects that that treasure is worth any sacrifice I need to make in order for the kingdom to be mine? What price do we pay on a daily basis to be in a healthy sustained, growing, life-changing, real and personal love relationship with God and walk with Him in obedience to glorify Him in every aspect of our daily life. Have I discovered the treasures of God? And in what have I done? What am I doing with them? Am I willing to pay the price to purchase the pearl of great value. Now again, Christ already paid the price. I have to pay a price in response to embrace, to take the pearl of great value and bring it into my life. Is that how we view our spiritual life as the pearl of greatest value? Is that how we view our walk with Him on a daily basis? Is that how we view our obedience? Is that how we view our connection to his body, the church? I come back to that statement about fine pearls and the pearl of great value. Going back to that first parable. Are we distracted by the good things of life rather than pressing in for what's best? Are spiritual, financial, relational comfort sufficient for us? Or do we want the best? Do we want fine pearls or the pearl of great value? Could it be said of you that you are actively searching for more of the kingdom of God, more of Christ? I don't know if we sing it anymore, but we used to sing a song that talks about more, more, more. Do we want more, more, more of him? Or more, more, more so I can build bigger barns? If you overlay these three parables, the parable of the rich fool, what if he had said, you know what, I'm all in. I will do whatever it takes. He may have still got to keep barns full of stuff. But what if he had said, I will pay whatever price it takes because I want what matters most in eternity, not in this world. What price am I paying 
so that I might claim the pearl of great value. My title was very simply, Am I a Treasure Hunter? And I encourage you to leave today asking yourself that question. Am I a treasure hunter? Am I really looking for more of God? If I've never entered into a real personal life-changing relationship, am I willing to consider that something worth pursuing and going all in for? I don't understand it, but I know I want it. And I will say yes. If you've already said yes, maybe you said yes yesterday, maybe you said yes decades ago, are you still pursuing more and more of that treasure? Because as I understand it, that is a treasure without limit. And we are fools if we don't continually explore the depth of that treasure. Am I a treasure hunter? Or perhaps another way to put it, am I building barns or am I buying the pearl? Based upon your attitudes and actions, with which parable does your life line up? Based upon how you spend your time, with which parable does your life line up? Based upon how you manage your material resources, with which parable does your life line up? Based upon your thought life, with which parable does your life line up? Based upon what you invest in your spiritual life, with which parable does your life line up? I said at the beginning, I've said each week, simple stories, sobering realities. To me, this message is about making a choice to pursue the best and not settle for the good. And that's a decision every one of us has to make for ourselves. Would you pray with me, please? With our eyes closed and our head bow, heads bowed, I, I just encourage you to just kind of soak in that for just a moment. Pretty confident nobody here wants to be called a fool in any area of our lives. let alone in the matters that determine our eternity. I suspect every one of us here also faces a continual battle to sort out the things that are important and urgent from the things that are most important and have eternal consequences. We live in a continual tension with that. So with your eyes closed and your head bowed, I encourage you to just ask God, show me, show me, Father. Show me areas where, where I am actively pursuing the treasure and making it mine. Show me areas where I'm actively paying the price to make the pearl of great value my own. And Father, show me areas where my priorities are out of whack and I need to make changes. As you think about those things, I would just speak briefly with our eyes closed and our heads bowed to the issue of saying yes to the kingdom for the first time.
if perhaps today for the first time you realize, you know what? I've never said yes to Jesus and embraced the price he paid so that I could find buried treasure, so that I could claim the pearl of great value. Today I realized maybe the parable of the rich fool with inappropriate priorities defines my life more than I want. So if today you want to say for the first time in your life, yes, I want the treasure to be mine. Yes, I want the pearl of great value to be mine. If you're making that decision today, would you just look up and make eye contact with me as your way of saying yes, Lord? Father, we continue with our eyes closed and our heads bowed. And my prayer is that people are dealing with you. They're just looking at their lives and allowing you to speak into it. And Father, my prayer is that you will continue to do that in the days and weeks to come as this story continues to come back to them. Father, we thank you that you love us enough that you buried treasure for us to find and you made it possible for us to find it. We thank you that there is a pearl of greatest value that you have provided for us. And, and Father, we simply need to say, yes, I will do what it takes to make it mine. And Father, for those who have done those things, I pray that they would reflect the individual and the, the story of the buried treasure and that we would reflect the joy that is ours because we have discovered the treasure that is called the kingdom of God. We thank you, Father. Amen. Worship team.